0: Hello, welcome to the Faith Roots Podcast. We're going to take our scripture from one that I quoted yesterday at the end of the lesson, Philippians 2.13. I hope you'll write this verse down. It'll be one that you should commit to memory and you'll use it a lot in your walk with Christ. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure." You know, one of the things that I had to learn in my walk with Christ is that God did not demand or command extreme emotional reactions. And in the group that I grew up around, that was something that was very common. People were very demonstrative there was weeping, there was crying, there was dancing in the spirit. There, there were all kinds of emotional reactions. Uh, later, I would get around a lot of meetings where people were falling under the power. We're going to talk about all of that. And I want you to understand where I'm coming from today, because I, I, I want to break something down. There are human responses to the work of God, to the presence of the Lord. And it's important to recognize that there are human responses. On the other hand, there are supernatural manifestations. And a human response is never to be confused with a supernatural manifestation. Now, I'm going to carefully explain that. What I want you to see is that the Holy Spirit doesn't push us into these extreme reactions. You may flow in something where you become very emotional. There may be a time when God moves on you, but the Holy Spirit is never going to push you to the point where you become the center, the focus of the whole service, where church can't go on because of something that you're doing. In fact, the Apostle Paul teaches about that very thing all through 1 Corinthians 14. And he teaches that all things in a service where we've gathered together should be done decently and in order, meaning that there is not an emotional outburst that's confusing or pointing all of the attention at one person. Uh, The devil tried to rob me of my salvation because of confusion on these things. And some of the confusion came from the people in the Pentecostal church that I attended. And it was a good place. There were a lot of great people there, a lot of wonderful things that happened. And I did love the depth of the worship and the way people praised God. There were some amazing things. But there were times that things went to the extreme one of the things that happened somewhat in those services back then is people would dance they would uh you know and when i say dance i'm not talking about skipping and hopping and dancing Uh, I'm talking about really dancing with all their might. Uh, There were lots of folk dances in the Hebrew culture. David danced for joy when the ark of God was brought back to Jerusalem. So uh, there is a place for some of that, I could see. But what I want you to see is I felt like I had to do this, that I was not really pleasing to God if I didn't dance. It was something I did not want to do. And uh, so the devil tried to rob me of the joy of my salvation because it was something that I really struggled with. Uh, I felt guilty all the time because down in my heart I knew I don't want to do that. That's not something I want to do. But I felt like I had to do it, and I felt like a sure sign that God wanted me to do it is the fact that I did not want to. And if I had just known Philippians 2.13, it would have liberated me completely, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. In other words, God doesn't call you into things that are unnatural to your personality. Let me explain how this works. Um, When God convinced me that I was supposed to pastor a church, and that I was going to pioneer and plant this church, Church on the Move, back in 1987 here in Tulsa. My wife was less than enthusiastic about it. In fact, she clammed up every time I talked about it. So I couldn't really talk to her a lot about this. And finally, one day, we were out walking. I still remember. We were in our neighborhood, and I said, Babe, what's going on? Why are you not happy about this? And she finally broke and went into tears, and she said, Willie, I can't be a pastor's wife. And I said, baby, you don't have to change. I don't want you to be something that you're not. But she said, I don't think I can be at the church all the time, and I don't think I can lead all those ladies' meetings, and I don't think I can be up in the platform talking all the time. I said, baby, you don't have to do any of that. That may be something that you've seen some of our past pastors do, but you don't have to do that. I'm not expecting you to do that at all. In fact, all I need you to do is love me and be the wonderful wife and mother that you already are. You do that, I'll be okay. But she had this vision of what a pastor's wife was supposed to be. And can I tell you, there was a very real pressure that came from lots of ministers' wives that if you were going to be a pastor's wife, you had to behave in a certain way. You had to perform certain duties. You had to be on the platform. You had to lead all kinds of things. And I told my wife, you don't have to do any of that stuff because I don't see anything in Scripture that suggests that you have to fill all those roles. You just be yourself. Now, let's fast forward because here we come now later What is it today, 2023, 36 years later? Church on the Move is a very successful, very fruitful congregation. And I have four amazing adult children, all of whom have a deep love for God. That's one of the things that I am most proud of, is that our kids turned out great. Our kids have a wonderful walk with God and a relationship with God. But I have to say that a lot of that came from my wife being the kind of person she was at home. And I can show you countless other pastors' wives who felt like they had to be at the church all the time, whose children absolutely resented the church and resented being in the church. Because their parents push them all the time to take up roles and responsibilities, even as children, that should never have been placed on them. And I had enough sense. There are a lot of things I didn't do well, but this is one thing I did do well. I realized that childhood is a time of training. It is not a time of ministry. And Jesus, listen to me, if Jesus is come to save the whole world, Don't you think that his work and his life's work would be incredibly important? Do you realize that Jesus was not a teenage minister? That he never preached as a teenager? Jesus never took a platform, read in the synagogues. He didn't do, he may have read occasionally in the synagogues, but he did not preach until he was 30 years of age. So Jesus did not have a public ministry, nor did he work miracles till he was 30 years of age. His whole time of growing up was spent in training. And what I want you to see is that when we force young people or maybe a pastor's wife into a certain role, or even a pastor, there are pastors that are miserable because the church expects them to do certain things that they really don't have the gift set to do. And I struggled with this. I felt like I had to dance in the Spirit. I had to show extreme emotion in order to prove that I loved God. Religious spirits work like that on people. I remember we had a missions conference. I was not the senior pastor. I was the children's minister at this particular church. But they brought in kind of a wild guy who was a speaker at a missions conference. I was sitting on the platform behind him. And he turned to me in the middle of the service and said, Dance! You need to dance! You need to, God needs to loosen you up right now! You need to dance in the Spirit! Of course, he put me on the spot for the whole congregation. I closed my eyes. I began to give it the best rain dance I could. Of course, people all cheered and shouted, thinking that something amazing had broken loose. There was no release in my spirit. You know what? If that were to happen today... I think I would whip his butt. That is so cross-grain to the character and the nature of the Father, to humiliate and to shame someone into something like that. Now, you know me. uh, You know (laughs) that I wouldn't do that. But it just gets me that people do that stuff to each other, that we put amazing pressure on each other. And we don't think about what we're doing. We're we're pushing people into extreme exhibitions of the flesh that don't come from God. It happens all the time. One of the things that, that I see a lot is in prayer lines. And I've talked about this for years, and people think that I don't believe in laying hands on the sick. I do. I do believe we lay hands on the sick, but you don't have to push people over. You know, in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the only people who fell under the power of God were the unbelievers, the Roman soldiers who were at the tomb, and the mob in John 18 who came to crucify the Lord. Not one time is there a record of any person falling down because Jesus laid hands on them and prayed for them. Now, I want to read you a scripture. I want you to think about this for a minute. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The whole idea is that here we are, we're humans, we're flesh, but we have an amazing treasure in us. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute when you see a minister laying hands on someone and they are pushing so hard on them and pushing the tops of their heads back, bending their neck back in order to get them to fall, can I ask you this question? Is the excellency of the power of God or is this something that a human being is doing? You see, when God moves, we don't have to do it. We don't have to make this happen. God wants it to be seen that whatever it is that happens is truly of Him so that the excellency of the power is of God and not of us. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 31... The believers, the apostles, were commanded never again to preach in the name of Jesus, and they came back to the church, and they all prayed. Acts 4.31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they assembled together. The Knox translation says it like this, the place in which they had gathered rocked to and fro. So you go to certain places, and people will be shaking and quaking, and they'll say, this is the Spirit of God. It's not supernatural. It's human emotion. It's human reaction. There's nothing miraculous about it. When it is truly miraculous, the excellency of the power is of God. There's nothing in it that's of man. Now I'm gonna read you one more place, and I want you to ponder these things and think for a little bit. You know, uh, just because you follow Christ doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit leads you to give up your brain, all right? Paul and Silas have been beaten. They've been commanded never again to, to preach in the city, and uh, they cast the demon out of a girl. It says, "But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God." That's Acts sixteen twenty-five, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, up until this point, it's all human. Paul and Silas are not doing anything miraculous. They are praying and they're singing hymns to God. Now that's extraordinary after all that they've been through, but it's still very human. There's nothing miraculous about it. Verse 26, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. Wow. That was a miracle. That was supernatural. When it is truly supernatural, even an unbeliever can recognize it. A skeptic standing by has to admit something amazing just happened. And even the jailer came to faith that night because of what had happened. And so Paul and Silas didn't do the miracle. The miracle was done by God. They just worshipped God and God responded in a supernatural way. So we don't have to help God, nor do we feel like we are constrained to perform, to do certain things emotionally just to prove that we have a love for the Holy Spirit and for the Lord. I hope that that helps you. Don't be driven to do things that God isn't leading you to do. When something is of the Lord, it's a beautiful thing and it's done in great peace. It's all the time that I have for today, but we'll pick up here tomorrow. See you then.